Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. The book of Proverbs, chapter 30, the seventh verse. It says, two things have I required of thee. Two things have I required of thee. This is a man praying to God. He says, deny me them not before I die, or do not deny me these things until I die. Verse 8, remove far from me vanity and lies. Full column there. Now I want you to see that the two things that this man is going to speak about to his realm and place of revelation, there were vanity and lies. Okay? So he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, Feed me with food convenient for me. Verses 9, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or at least I be poor and steal and take the name of God in vain. And take the name of God in vain. So we see that the man of Proverbs is saying, You know, I'm asking for two things that you should never deny me until the day I what? I leave this earth. And he says, for these things are vanity and lies. And in there is the vanity, in there is the deception. And he says, from wherever he's speaking, give me neither poverty nor wealth or riches. In other words, give me just enough money sufficient for me. And he says, feed me with food that is only convenient for me. In other words, give me only food enough for me, sufficient for me. And number three, now, he's emphasizing, he says, Least I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or, I also don't want to be poor and still and take the name of God in vain. So, this is what he's saying. He's saying, if you give me enough, I'll be okay. But you might give me so much and I'll become full and deny you as God. Or, I could get so little of anything and then find myself stealing and taking your name in vain. So, give me a balanced life. And I'm going to say something so controversial. So controversial. But when I say it, I'm going to justify it again through Scripture. Okay? It says that I help us understand what is happening. Now, you see, biblical interpretation has principles. Quite a number of principles of biblical interpretation. Close to 12 of them. The Bible was written with certain patterns, and I've explained that. There are laws that govern the interpretation of Scripture. Law of first mention, you know, the law of the first things, and many other things. There are many laws that help us interpret Scripture. The mentioning of things, the emphasis of things in Scripture. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the mention of the three entities, and in the end is abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Why is love the greatest yet mentioned the third? There's an order of interpreting Scripture. And I preached to someone recently, I think I was trying to emphasize the place where people are destroyed because of a misinterpretation of Scripture. 
So you can actually be destroyed. You can be denied from God's best because you are not interpreting scripture from the way it's supposed to be interpreted. Otherwise, if we should read everything literally, God made a covenant with Abraham to circumcise all male children at the age of eight. That should mean that if you read that, therefore you're supposed to go for circumcision or you're supposed to circumcise every male child at the age of eight because God told Abraham. But in the New Testament, circumcision is of the heart and not of the flesh. You see? So you can read the scripture, but the interpretation is in line with God's will, purpose, and many other things that come through. And it's from this background that I best to tell you that some people read this portion of scripture, interpret it as is, and pray through it the same way. And I want to tell you that it's an error for you to interpret the scripture of God directly without understanding the whole context of story. For example, let's understand where this man is and at what point he is in life. When you look at Solomon, a man of wisdom, a writer of Proverbs, you see in scripture he has written three books, right? Song of Songs, or that which is called Song of Solomon, or the song, the greatest song of all. In emphasis in Hebrew translation, it will be the Song of Songs, like the greatest of all songs. And it's on record that man wrote about 1,000 and something, you know, songs and stuff. But... This one was the Song of Songs, okay? And then we see him writing Proverbs, and we see him writing Ecclesiastes. Number one, I've said this once in a meeting, way long ago, that when you read Solomon, you're looking at a man who is on a journey in life. And much as he has received wisdom as a gift, okay? There is a process through which he grows by the experiences of life. And the wisdom given to him as a gift is adapting to the experiences of life for him to be firm in the judgments of the Spirit. Because wisdom is not enough without the experiences of the Spirit. Without the experiences of the Spirit, regardless of how much wisdom is on your life, you might miss out on the judgments of the Spirit or the judgments of God. Because God judges by reconciling our intellect with our experiences. Do you agree? Yes. So even when a man is anointed through wisdom, okay, you can't have wisdom. There are certain things that come with experience. Without that experience, without the trial of your face, without the things that churn this milk to butter, without the experience of being turned. The Bible speaks of Ephraim as an unwise man. He says the bread that is half-baked is a bread that is not turned. He is not fully dealt with by God. Sometimes you realize that someone will speak in a certain place of wisdom, but because of lack of the experiences of the Spirit, that man might not have the judgments of the Spirit. And that is why you'll say, but this person is this. But how come they're like that? Oh, they're doing this, but how come they're not doing this? Because understanding is not yet mature. They need to reconcile certain experiences. And those experiences can come either two ways. Either by your walk in life and the things that come, circumstances that will befall you in life, or by the things that you will learn in the presence of God as you wait on Him. Those are experiences as well. So if the world won't teach you, the presence will teach you. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, Song of Solomon... If you go back to biblical history and then follow the chronological account of these books, you'll see that Song of Solomon was the first book written. He wrote it when he was a young man. 
still you know learning life and excited that is why you see it's a book speaking about women what and you know my lover and why he's falling in love he's revealing you know what love is about you know his love for women and the concubines that that fellow had so he's discovering life you know his revelation is in breasts and what it's a hard book to preach through unless you have the revelation of god and then as he continues to grow into his middle age as a man then we see him writing the book of proverbs okay and as he advances in age later on in his old age we see him writing the book of ecclesiastes and all these three books have their theme this will amaze you the song of solomon is a revelation of love isn't it this is a lover with a spouse you see so when you're reading song of solomon you are revealing love and it's so interesting that unlike the book of esther the book of the song of songs is the only book that has no word god in it such it you'll not find the word god in it see are you following there's no god in it yet it is revealing what love why is there no word written of god in it because god is actually revealed god is love so we might not have a writing of god there the word god there but if you know that god is love and the book of song of songs is actually revealing god who is love that's one of those books in which he is not spoken by name but greatly revealed you see that is why i told people that when the rabbis jewish rabbis are reading the song of songs they even take off their shoes that's how much sacred that book is so it's not perverse it's sacred and then we get to the place of wisdom if you read proverbs from the beginning that the wisdom you know of solomon given to the sons of men to give wisdom the bible says and subtility to the man which is simple it's written to give subtility to the man which is simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion it's a place where the wisdom of god is revealed and when you go to the book of ecclesiastes then we get into the revelation of purpose you understand divine purpose through ecclesiastes and interestingly that's the work of life when you look at how we grow humanly speaking the life of imitation when we're children to the place of identity to the place of commitment so it is with these three as well that our places of imitation are best revealed in the realm of love you learnt imitations in the place of love you see you saw your parent do whatever they did when you are a child because you were confident of their love you see so where love is there is imitation where wisdom is there is identity and where purpose is there is commitment never forget that is commitment but also the walk of life is that way without the revelation of love you cannot understand wisdom and without the revelation of wisdom you cannot understand purpose it's a walk of life we receive these three for us wherever we are that we don't need to waste time in our journey to understand purpose wisdom and our place of love we can by the revelation of god be able to understand these things because now we have the indwelling person of the holy spirit 
The Bible says, who will teach you all things and remind you that which you have forgotten. He will show the things to come. His primary ministry is to lead you or guide you into all truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So now with that background, Solomon is speaking from a place where he is learning wisdom. He's a middle-aged man. That's why later when he's old in Ecclesiastes, now he tells you his life. You know, I one time went out to search out what is pleasing eh, to the sons of men. And I did this. He says, I wrought things with my hands and my labors, I labored beyond. And I drank all manner of alcohol. I consumed myself with women. And I did this and I built myself you know, all that I could build, and I amassed gold and wealth more than any man before me, but my wisdom was with me. He says, my wisdom was with me. His wisdom never departed from him. He was still in the realm of the Proverbs. He was still a middle-aged man. The wisdom, the gifting of wisdom was with him, but it was a man who had not yet come to a sudden realization of life experience, and that is why he explores. He explores, because he has not yet come to judgment. And then he amassed more wealth than anyone that was before him. His wisdom was with him. He gathered the peculiar treasures of all kings. He did everything. And then he gets to the end of it and says, for all of this was vexation of spirit. There was nothing to eat and no profit under the sun. It was useless for me. Now that's the man who has understood judgment. That's the man who has understood judgment. Purpose and judgments are reconciled. So, from a man who has understood purpose, when I read Proverbs here, I see a man on a journey. Because you're dealing with a man who can forget God when he has become so wealthy. You're dealing with a man who can forget God when he's greatly blessed. That does not mean that every man who is greatly blessed will forget God. But in this instance, this man can forget God because he's not yet stable in the waves of life. You're talking of a man who only thinks about food convenient for him. And for a minister, that's dangerous. Because if you ask for food convenient for you, then what about the people you're supposed to feed? If you ask for enough revelation, let's now take food as revelation. For I desired your word more than necessary food. The word of God is like food. We're feeding men. As I'm speaking right now, I'm feeding your spirits. Your bodies might be normal or they probably might not be eating. But right now, I'm feeding your what? Your spirit, right? Now, if you're talking of the message or the word of God as food, and then you say, give me food only that which is convenient for me, you're actually saying, I only want enough revelation that is there to sustain me, to live my life as a Christian. So then how about the multitudes and people, the world to which the Lord has sent you, that lost and dying world that needs your message, you see? Are you understanding what I'm saying? You cannot ask only for that which is convenient for you. You need more than is convenient. It says that you're able to feed others. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says, don't make me poor. Don't make me rich. Put me in the middle there. Oh, there are many believers in the world who are there. In Proverbs 30 verses 8. When you go into the honest prayer, they don't want to be made rich because they'll forsake God. Neither do they want to be poor. Because if they become poor, they will steal. <laughs> Can you imagine? They will steal if they become poor. They'll be tempted. Those are the lies and vanity from where the man of Proverbs says. 
But I want to take somebody from there. And you see, it's easy for you to judge the man of Proverbs until I start exploring our personal lives. Let me make this simpler for you. Because you see, it is very easy for you to settle for less or into mediocrity without knowing. It's very easy for a believer to settle for less or if not less, into mediocrity without understanding. And somebody can give you this portion of scripture and you actually take it and allow and say, I think this is where I'm supposed to be called. That's why I ask this simple question. <laughs> Solomon made that prayer, right? Did he die neither poor nor rich? How did he die? The richest. You see, we see that in Ecclesiastes when he says, I gathered wealth more than anybody that was before me. I became richer. He says, I became richer. I gathered silver and gold, peculiar treasures of the provinces. And he says, and I became so wealthier than any man that ever came in Jerusalem. He says, I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. I was richer than anybody that has ever come before me in Jerusalem. So that means God didn't answer his prayer. That means God didn't agree with this prayer. And here is a sad thing. He forsook God. And he brought pagan gods into the house of his father. And indeed, there was a snare. But it is not because of his wealth. It is because he had never been established deeper when he was a young man. You see, later on, we see him grow older. And now we can tell the difference. But the damage has already what? Has already happened. Solomon did not die opposed to God. He was later restored. And when he was restored, he was restored and his wealth stayed and everything else stayed. So the will of God for you, by the way, and those of you especially who are listening to me in this time and hour, it has never been the plan of God to just give you enough of anything. And when it comes to the new creation, it's even more deeply serious than I'm able to articulate. People are selfish, even without knowing that they're selfish. How do I know that you're selfish? When you just ask enough for your children. You go for prayer and say, Father, what more? If I can get fees for my children, build me a very nice house and drive a very nice car, I shall never desire more. How selfish. How selfish. How ignorant. How indifferent. Do you know how many people in their hearts of hearts have never believed for God's best? They don't even think it can come their way, but they're born again, they have the Holy Spirit, they are going to heaven, but they have never believed for God's best. They have never believed for God's best. Many years ago, a believer, one-on-one Christian man, friend of mine, preacher of the gospel as well, a lover of God came to me and said, if God gives me 300,000, my life will change. In my heart, I said, it's not possible. He won't give it. And I made him know, God won't give you that money. You'll ask me, why God? Number one, what hasn't God given us? The Bible says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
The Bible says he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. For example, end there, but the Kakoma says, through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. Through the knowledge, through the epignosis, the complete and perfect knowledge, the accurate knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. He has called us unto glory and virtue, not survival. He has called us unto glory and virtue, not begging. He has called us unto glory and virtue, not strife. But it's according to that knowledge. How much do you know? What do you know about what God has prepared for you? The Bible says, He that held not back his own son, will he not with him give you all things? If he did not hold back Jesus Christ, he delivered all that Christ could be in the flesh. The Bible says, He spared not his own son. Romans 8.32 Will he not with him freely, 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 freely give you all things. So the man that has been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, the man that has been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the man that has been given Christ and with him given freely all things, is believing God for 300,000 shillings. And it says that his life will change. And I know why he's saying his life will change. He has a business deal. But somebody told him that if you put this money in this thing, eh, and then you put this, eh, and then you buy it this much, eh, and then you sell it at this much, eh, that's 300,000. We'll become 200, that's 300,000 again. And then when you have 100% profit, eh, you invest this 300, it becomes 600. That 600 becomes 1.2 million, and that 1.2 million becomes 2.5. So they're thinking, they're doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling, but there's something they're not talking about here. They're not understanding the place of Kairos, the appointed time of God, and how God redeems days for us, they cannot understand that in the sphere of life, the race is not to the swift, the battle, the strong, neither bread to the men of skill, but there's a place of time and chance that happens to them all. Expectation and experience happens to them all. They don't understand that not every hard worker, not every man who has doubled their monies right now has that money. They don't understand that not everything somebody proposes to you on that table will truly work or that even without that business, he can still supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor, don't limit God. You see, that is one of them. But how many people say, I'm believing God for 100 million. Why are you believing God for 100 million? How much has he given you? Answer me, how much has the kingdom given? Whole things. But somebody's believing God for what? For 100 million. Father, I just want 10 decimals, just 10. I don't want much. I'm just asking for half an acre. Huh. If I get half an acre, in my family, nobody has ever got it. Ay, 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 ay. You understand what I'm saying? God gives it. And then, you know, they even call people and they even cry and say, I know where I came from. I know. Some of you, you might look at me and say, why is she crying? But we didn't even have lunch. <laughs> you who? You're talking about your father's family, not the kingdom. The God who is your true father. The earth and the fullness are his. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, I know where I come from. You who? Your family lineage or the new creation? The Bible says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision what? availeth much. But the word, the new creation. The new creation. So it's very possible to limit God. It's possible to limit God because of your education. I think because I went this far, these are the kind of jobs that I can get. It's very possible to limit God because of your networks, because of the people that are connected to me. This is how far I can go. Because of my color, this is how far I can go. Because of my height, this is the kind of job I can do. Because of the shape of my nose, this is the kind of man that can fall in love with me. Am I speaking to somebody? Listen, God does not want you to limit him based on your performance, based on your ability, based on your potential, based on your education, based on your networks, based on... Oh! I don't know who I'm preaching to. I think this one is enough for me. I think this one is enough for me. God, if this ministry... 1,000 members? Ah, yes, yes, that's enough. 500, I will never ask. 10,000, you have satisfied me. <laughs> he told you, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. Do you know he gave us the whole world as a harvest? Huh? Preachers of the gospel now, you're the ones I'm talking to. I'm not talking about just, no. Do you know he gave us the whole world for a harvest? And then somebody says, you know God, it's enough. I'm satisfied. Satisfied of what? He told you, occupy until I come. In other words, as long as you are preaching the gospel, you're going to multiply until the day I call you home or until the day I return. He says, concerning his kingdom, his government, and peace. The Bible says there shall be what? No end. The increase of that government has no end. That means as long as Fenera is still on the earth, we're going to continue growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing until no end. As long as I'm still alive in my flesh, I'm going to become richer and richer and richer and richer until I live this earth or until Jesus comes back for us. That's just the way of God. That's his pattern concerning his government. He says there shall be increase on his government and peace and there shall be no end upon the throne and upon this throne the kingdom of david as he's building it he says he shall order it that means that there is a leading his hand and instruction is behind that increase yeah. it's not just your ability and he says and he seeks to establish it with judgment listen and with justice he says with judgments and with justice he says henceforth this shall be forever and he says and the zeal of the lord shall perform this the zeal of god is there god is so zealous eh? Mm. God is so zealous to make you so prosperous that people will look at you and say, but how does she do it? And then now let them start making stories. He goes underwater. He goes over the clouds. She has eggs in the... She has this big snake. He has this... It's all right. Let them name you all. They name you. But God says, even if they continue naming you those things, increase upon increase is yours to the glory of God. Why? Because when you become a new creation, all things are passed away. And now things, all things now have become new. And all things are of God. That means your mindset is of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So if you carry the mindset of God, the consciousness of the Father, God does not think that there is enough money to corrupt you. Listen, if you now have Jesus dwelling in the inside of you, God is inside. Who created everything, the treasure in that vessel that the excellence of power might be of God. If you have God, the one who created everything, now resident in the inside of you, how can he not give you everything? And how can you worry 
that money can change you. Of course, the people are changed by money. But those are people who have not yet understood who they are. Identity, wisdom. They've not understood who they are. Oh my goodness. We have money, but we've not changed. Because it doesn't matter how much money comes my way, I will never change. Because I know who I am. I know who I am. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor I know who I am. Hmm, you are a child of God. You're a new creation. You're born after a certain life. You're born of the incorruptible seed which liveth and abideth forever. But this is the challenge. They have changed the image of the uncorruptible God. They have changed the image of the uncorruptible God. He didn't say the incorruptible God. He says the uncorruptible God. There's a difference there in the language. They have changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You see, it's very easy for you to change the glory of the God which cannot be corrupted. And then you make God look so small, like a beast, like a creeping thing, like that little idol that an Indian worships. It's very possible, through ignorance. Through ignorance. And I've seen people change the glory of God, that God which cannot be corrupted. Because you see, the Bible says there are things we can say by command and there are things we can say by permission. When Paul is speaking to the marriage, he says, this I speak by permission and not command. You see. There are things that when God has dealt with you, you have the audacity, the strength, and the ability to say. Some you say, can I say, or shouldn't I say? Let me say this. If somebody can hear a teacher of the word teaching truth, and they can justify that that truth is actually the revelation of God, and then wake up and say that that teacher is not of God, that's changing the glory of a God who's not corruptible. If God is that deep, can somebody open a Bible and preach that deep and not be of God? Then you have to give us an example of which God you're talking about because a divided kingdom cannot stand. You see what I'm saying? When a man wins souls and then you say they're not of God, who is he winning them for? You mean he's winning souls and Satan is applauding? Yet they're leaving the kingdom of darkness and going to light? Some people don't understand God. You can hear all of this and still doubt truth. So that means you have a very deceived revelation of God. You don't know God. You don't know God. Tell your neighbor, revelation is not cheap. It's not. Try it. Try it. Preach for one week, two weeks, three weeks every day. You understand, revelation is not cheap. Had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory because they would understand the mystery behind that. Now back to this. It's very easy to change the glory of the uncorruptible God. It's actually corruption for you to see yourself less of what God has created you to be. He has created us for virtue and glory. He has created us to be the heads and not the tail above and not beneath, upward and upward, only and forward. He has called us to be the light of this world. We are the city that is set on the hill. We are that salt. Without us, there is no savory. God has not called you to settle for less. Don't ask for less. Don't put a price when you're asking God. Ask according to the vision of your spirit. 
in the bigness of who he is, if that word exists. God is so big. He's waiting for his sons and daughters to say, I'm ready to believe you for who you are. He's waiting for somebody to say, God, it doesn't matter whether I have the right network, whether I have the right connections, whether I'm educated enough, whether I have the right color. It doesn't matter what I have, but I'm ready to believe you for who you are. I'm ready not to settle for less or even mediocrity. I just don't want enough. I want so much that I'm able to touch this dying world with your gospel. That is the mindset of everybody who understands the way of the Spirit. The Bible says, Israel knew the works of God, but they knew not his ways. Do you know the anointing necessary on Moses to feed more than 300,000 people? And he knows how the food is distributed to everyone. Some of you are believing God to feed your families. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some people just believe in God to feed their families. This man led a whole nation. The anointing on that man needed to be distributed to 70 people to distribute food. It was all in one man and he was able to carry that in his spirit. That when he is tired of doing that, God tells him, get 70 men and I shall get of your spirit and put on them that your burden might be light. That means before this was put on 70 men, one man had the ability of 70 minds feeding more than 300,000 people, distributing food to everyone to make sure that everyone has eaten. And all of that was in one man. You're struggling to feed your 20 members? You're struggling to feed your 10,000 or 20,000 members? So you say, oh no, it's not about numbers. It is about numbers. It is about numbers. It is about numbers. Why is the church preaching the gospel? Why are we preaching every day? That everyone, he says, who wills that all men will be saved and that they might come to the knowledge of the truth. All men, all, 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 not some, not a few, not the selected ones, not the remnant. All men be saved and that they'll come to the knowledge of the truth. And that is why I tell people, we're going to preach the gospel to every corner of the world. Tell your neighbor, I'm preaching to every corner of the world. In Jesus' mighty name. So, it's very possible for somebody to settle for less. It's very possible for you to say, ah, no, you know, I don't deserve that. Some of you have, by situation or circumstance or culture or by doctrine, you have disqualified yourself from God's best. You're in the good and acceptable. You're in the 30 and 60-fold, not the 100-fold. Years ago, very interesting story from my side of life. I was a very indifferent person to the ways of God, especially his provision. And I remember this prayer, this kind of prayer, I prayed it many years ago. This one, this particular one. Say, God, don't give me so much. Me, I love you so much. You know, I love you so, so much. And... In so much love, the Lord began to rebuke me and help me understand what was wrong with me. He told me the issue is not what you're reading. The issue is that you have been so consumed by the way of the world. Because this world is born in scarcity and lack. And so men are born in strife and competition. And then they're stepping on feet and manipulating processes because they are born in places of survival and not abundance. And when you were young, your parents told you study so that you'll become some. So you're also trying to become something in this world. And God told me, you are already everything that I've ever wished for because I gave you Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality. Bah! The light went on. And I started to meditate on what he was talking about. And God told me this. He said, 
I know that you're a child of faith, but can you lose your faith when you're talking to me? He told me from today when you're talking to me, lose your faith. Some people have faith, but it is tied. You know, it has boundaries. It has limitations. It's there, but it's limited. They can believe God for healing when the person is still alive. But if he dies, they'll bury him. You understand? It's limited. They can believe God for healing when you're still in stage one cancer. But when it goes to stage four, they cannot believe. You understand? They can believe God when everything is still calculable, when the things are still, you know, matching with the maths and science, you know, when they see like a small wind of redemption. But when we get to the end of redemption, they cannot believe God. That means their faith is there, but it is limited. It is bound by something. And that thing is called ignorance. So Lord told me, you know, when you're talking to me, can you just let your faith loose? I'm everything. I have everything. I have everything. And I've prepared it for you who believes. Now to him, which is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the working power that worketh in us. The Amplified says now to him which is able to carry out his purposes superabundantly far over and above all we ask, all we think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Infinitely, infinitely beyond. Infinitely, infinitely. Uncountable times beyond what you could ever dream. Uncountable times beyond what you could ever think. Uncountable times beyond what you could ever hope. Uncountable times beyond what you could ever pray. That means God can even do above what you can ever pray for. According to the working power that worketh in you, and that power is not in air. It's in here. It's in your spirit. And then you put your hand on that belly and ask for 300,000. You put your hand on that belly and ask for a 50 by 100 plot. You put your hand on that belly and ask for a house of only $100,000. You put your hand on that belly and that's just for enough. Oh, he says that out of us shall flow rivers of living water, not just little small cisterns of droplets, no, not just cups of water, not just jars of water, not just buckets of water. No, no, no. He said, For out of your belly shall flow rivers, not even one, plural, rivers of living water. God has placed infinity in finite bodies. Treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power might be of God. Tell somebody, let your faith loose. Let your faith loose. I remember we told people we're going on television when we we're still 15 Mokono on a Saturday evening. And I told them we're going to preach the gospel to the whole world. I don't know how that money is going to come all through. Who I don't know which network I need and who I need. All I know is that we're going to preach the gospel to the whole world. And televisions upon televisions have come in. This COVID alone, we have had about seven televisions open up. And you know, I feel we've not yet even started. So do you understand when I tell people that we've not yet started? I'm not just saying it to entertain you, no. I'm saying it because I see, well, every time I look inside, I see exceedingly abundantly. Even if I say, now let me ask, he says, no. 
Boy, ask all you want, but I can do exceedingly abundantly above what you'd ever ask for. And that is where you need to be. That's where you need to live. That is where you need to function. That is where you need to confess from. That is where you need to pray from. Every time I start to pray and I'm praying for Every time I'm praying for the ministry, I see the whole world is full and I want to take this gospel to Mars. I want to throw it into Jupiter. I want to put it in the galaxies. I want to take this gospel to the sun and back. I also don't know how all i know is that with god all things are possible i'm not limited by my color i'm not limited by my skin i'm not limited by my height not even limited by my accent because even my articulations are not enough for the vocabulary that i feel inside there that is telling me that all things are possible all things are possible all things are possible to him that believeth now god give me understanding and judgment to have enough character, to have enough precision, to have enough understanding that in the time when these things come, they do not provoke the fallen nature of me. Decrease the clay and increase the spirit. I must decrease and it must increase. That's our prayer, really. That's our prayer, really. So that when it comes, oh, and a lot of money is coming. For the gospel. <laughs> For the gospel. Many years ago, I made enough that I could ever need for my life. Many years ago. My children, many years ago. And past that. God, God does not want you to limit him according to how you see life. Get to a point when you start praying. People hear you and just run away. If your prayer cannot provoke a person, you're not yet praying. Some guys were in an overnight. And the pastor said, ask for what you want. <laughs> pastor said, ask for what you want. Everybody, start asking. So there's this guy praying, pacing, and people are screaming, people are screaming, people are screaming, people are screaming. And then there's this person. Were they asking for three or four hundred thousand? And then... They start saying, 400,000, Lord, 400,000, 400,000, Lord. He's screaming, he's screaming. They're telling them, ask for whatever you want. 400,000, Lord, 400, Lord, 400, Lord. And as he's screaming, this guy is praying like that. And then he's listening to his other guy praying. And this person is pacing, they're consuming spaces. So he gets into his wallet, counts the money. When he gets it, he says, hey, Huh? This is 400,000. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Sky, sky, screaming. God has heard your prayer now. Move such that those of us who are asking for billions can pray. <laughs> ah, move so that those of us who need billions can pray. Are you hearing me? Because he was consuming space and time. Oh, he's asking for 400,000. He's sweating. I have it. The man gives it to him and tells him, move such that the people want millions, hundreds and billions can pray. If I was in that meeting, I would have also given this man his billions. <laughs> Says that those of us who know that the earth and its fullness is of the Lord can pray. I don't know who I'm talking to. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. I don't limit God. I don't limit God. 
don't limit God. And I'm past falling because of money. Let him that thinks that he standeth take heed lest he fall. Can I help you understand what that portion of scripture means? That which thinks he standeth on his own power. But if a man is standing by the power of God, the Bible says that we are kept in Peter by the power of God unto salvation. I'm not saying that in my own ability. I'm saying that in the faith that only Christ has given me by his grace, knowing that in my own ability, I cannot do that. In my own ability, if it was in the flesh, even a thousand is enough to make me fall. A thousand is one dollar. Two dollars are enough to make you fall. Without God's power. Without God's grace, even a cent can make you fall. One cent. One shilling can make you fall without God's grace. Man comes to Jesus and says, I've done everything since I was little. <laughs> you remember that guy? Obeyed all the law. Master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Then he tells him, go and sell all that you have and what? And follow me. And the Bible says, and the rich young man was very sorrowful, for he was what? Rich. And Jesus said that it is so hard for a man to enter into the kingdom than a camel to go through a needle's eye. And verses 26, look at it in verses 26. And they that heard it said, who then can be saved? Eh? A man can't ask that if he's not rich. That means his disciples also realize, oh God, we are rich. <laughs> you understand? And verses 27 says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. What did Jesus mean? He meant that it is possible for you to be wealthy and still make it in heaven. Who has understood what I just said? It's still possible for you to be wealthy and make it in heaven because it's not about the wealth. It's what we do with that wealth. It's what we do with that wealth. God knows as it comes, we're going to preach the gospel. As it comes, we're going to preach the gospel. Somebody shout hallelujah. So with men, that is not possible. But with God, all things are possible. The man I'm talking about eh, comes to them as they had fish. You remember fish? Just from fishing. This is money. And he taps them and he tells them, follow me. And the man leaves everything and follows the man. They're not even looking back because they know the one who has called them. If they were like the believers of our day, they would first say, hey, eh? <laughs> I've left some fish there, Nile patch, and it has some fish more in there which is a lot of money. If I sell this fish, do this, we'll come. Eh? Eh? I can find you at the Rita's restaurant taking tea, then we go. I'm with you, 100% Jesus. I am with you, trust me. Then first go and sell this thing because you might need this money. No, he taps them and tells them, boom, follow me. And the man leaves everything. That's the heart God is looking for. That even though the wealth comes, you're not attached to it. You can lose it all. Paul says, I know how to be full and how to abase because my faith is not even in that wealth. My faith is in the one who called me to glory and virtue. Somebody shout hallelujah. We could live it all any day. Even if you took me back to zero, I know how to get it back. Why? Because I know who I look to. I follow that one, not it. That's mammon. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you know, by the time a man gets that kind of mindset, he has understood that the man they're following is not just a normal man. Is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Somebody shout hallelujah. There's money, but there's many, many aspects for which, even though we believe, we are realistic. 
That's why I tell people, never apply reality and realisticism when you're believing. That's limiting God. Or that is putting chains on your faith. It's there, but you're chaining it. You're limiting the boundaries of its function. Yeah, we are believing God for this, but let us be realistic. What? Realistic? What do you mean by realistic? What do you mean by realistic? Yeah, we have $10,000. And we're believing God for a church building of $20 million. Let us be realistic, Christians. We have collected from everyone because that man or woman thinks that even the people from whom they've collected is actually the source. So they're being realistic. Many people are more realistic than they are believing. They're very realistic, very realistic, very, 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 very realistic. So they are. Tell your neighbor, stop being realistic. Christ is the real one. Yeah. Don't limit God. If what you've seen is $100 million, start building it in your spirit. And just dance over it and wait for God to fulfill it. But you see, you must first agree that where Solomon was, he is not where he died from. He was a man with a wisdom that had not found purpose beyond himself. But when you start living larger than you, you get the wisdom and understanding to know that everything that comes your way is not about you and only for you and exclusive for you. You become a more faithful steward. You start to realize, oh, this anointing is not just for me. This money is not just for me. This wisdom that I amass is not just for me. The things that I get in this world are not just for me. The education that I've received is not just for me. I'm not just married for me. I'm married for a certain group of people. I'm not raising children for me. I'm raising children for the world. I'm raising the next president, the next prime minister. They're in my house. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm raising for the world. When I'm preaching to you guys, I'm not just preaching for me. I'm not just preaching for you to even just be good Christians. No. When I'm preaching to you, I see the next fiery movement that is going to be burst in the world. I see you guys thrown in Taiwan, in Indonesia, in China, in the South of Africa, Northeast. I see you scattered on islands and shores. And I see you preaching that gospel of Jesus Christ. And I see you taking over nations. And I see you become the heads and not the tail above and not beneath. I'm not preaching for me. I live beyond myself. I no longer come on the pulpit for me. I no longer eat food for me. I no longer even fast for me anymore. I don't even dress for me. I don't do it for me. I do it for somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you learn to live beyond yourself, now you're living in the purposes of God. Purpose, divine purpose. Now you're understanding the assignment and the mandate of God beyond the giftings that are operating on your life. Because if you don't understand that, even your gifts can be corrupted for transaction, for increase and multiplication of the self and not for the benefit of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor, don't limit God. Don't limit God. Somebody heard me preaching today, and I cannot tell who, but this is what I know. That you've entered a place of limitless provision. It's beyond money. It's in revelation. It's in increase. It's in your marriage, it's in your children, it's in your career, it's in your ministry, it's everywhere. Limitless health, 
you will not fall sick again. Limitless provision. You will not be chased away from school because you don't have tuition. Limitless joy. Because tonight I feel that somebody's faith is being released. You're losing your faith to believe God. And this is what he has said. That because you're born of the incorruptible seed of God which liveth and abideth forever. These things will not change you. They will not corrupt you. In fact, they will even make you a better person. As God fulfills his purposes in your life. And I see that you're going to become the heads and not the tail. I see that where men are speaking, you shall speak above. That all men shall rise up as you speak. I see that kings are coming to your rising. That Gentiles are coming to your light that strangers are serving you that presidents and prime ministers are going to listen to you because God will reveal to them that you woman you man have more than their credentials can ever give them in the mighty name of Jesus did you not say that you shall be the head and not the tail did you not say that I shall give you the riches of treasures I shall give you the riches of secret places that you might know that I am the God who called you by name did he not say that in this world you shall be a shining light that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter and to a perfect day the message version says that the longer you live the brighter you will shine i decree upon your life that there shall be increase in your house every other day that the peace of god shall increase in your life that the anointing shall increase in your life that the hunger for the things of god will increase in your life that everything that you shall believe god for shall be to the glory of his name and the expansion of his kingdom i decree and i declare that you're not going back where you came from you will not regress you will not backslide you will not come out of that marriage you will not come out of that increase you will not come out of that relationship you will not come out of that school god will not allow anything to slow you but every day and every minute of your life people will say that that man is increasing every day of his life that woman is increasing every day of their lives and as they're increasing they're getting better and better even in character they're getting better and better even in understanding they're becoming more and more humble even as the Lord increases them for let this mind be in you even as was in Christ for who found it no robbery to be like unto God but he humbled himself as unto the cross he humbled himself as unto the cross. Jesus had everything, but he was a humble man. May God give us a humility to continue staying a best, even when God is increasing and taking us upward. But I refuse that you should settle for just enough. I refuse that you should settle for just convenient. I refuse that you should settle for neither poverty nor riches. Uh-uh. He said that he became poor, that you might become rich. And I decree and I declare that all manner of limitation, all manner of boundaries built around your face tonight is loosed. Give the Lord a mighty... Come on. Come on. Have you received it? Clap like you have received it. Clap like you have received it. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believeth. To him that believeth. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Especially for those of you who are not understood God and who he is. The Bible is very clear that there is no name given among men whereby they must be saved. It's only one name. One, one, one. The Bible says it's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except by him. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. 
And all you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.